Hey, this is Varun Shur. Hey, this is Arvind Parthiban. Welcome to SaaS Boomi BTS, where we take you behind the scenes and share incredible marketing stories from Indian SaaS startups. The failures, the successes, the disasters. Hear from the real heroes who are putting India on the global SaaS map. Let's tune in. Hi, welcome to. BTS podcast series with Varun and Arvind. Today I have a very interesting guest, uh, Ashish Tulsiyan. Uh, he is not just a guest; he is a friend, and uh, he is a founder of uh, Postest, founder of TMC. He has been part of a lot of other uh, groups with us, uh, travel partner, foodie, and the list goes on. And uh, the kind of groups we are in, the stories we have been through, and this is going to be a very very interesting podcast. And without further ado. Ashish sir, welcome. Ashish sir, welcome to BTS. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I wish, I wish. Actually, we should talk about behind the scenes on the groups, Arvind, that you're talking about. <laughs> But I won't, I won't steal from the intro. Ashish, we would love to hear from your story and what Possess does and how you got started. Quick, quick intro on Possess, please. Yeah, so Possess uh, started by chance. I, uh, you know, I've been a tech entrepreneur all my. as far as i can remember i used to run a telecom company back in the day when i i started that out of my college and i ended up investing in a restaurant uh, thinking it was a cool idea uh, turned out that it wasn't and um, uh, i didn't know how to run a restaurant and staff was screwing us left right center so we ended up uh, building a tech product to screw them back uh, literally that was the idea uh, and uh, that hit well so so you know over next one year while we were using our own product at our own restaurant we incorporated process so that was jan of 12 it's been ten and a half years and um, we have been focused on restaurant industry only within the spectrum of fnb you know we do right from the restaurants to cafes to sweet shops to bakeries to discotheques restaurants uh, to fine dines like the full spectrum and then uh, we also do a lot of fnb inside hotels inside hospitals inside uh, you know malls it parks stadiums sports cities and so on so so we basically transformed into a fnb uh, or rather restaurant uh, tech specialist started as a you know point of sale solution which is like a billing product for the for the restaurant industry grew into a full stack platform which does right from the billing to back end inventory control supply chain production crm tons of integrations it's a full stack platform now um uh, still running a tight ship uh, continue to bootstrap uh, making profits uh, which is nowadays uh, you know we have we have our season going on nowadays uh, the, the twitter twitter and linkedin everybody is appreciating profit for a while so uh, <laughs> i'm now i'm wondering i'm sure it's for few months only <laughs> so you know When He's I, when, talking the wrong things here, or on like profits and things like people don't speak those things. And yeah, 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 this is this is a marketing <laughs> podcast. We, you know, the marketers are supposed to spend money and yeah. make sure the company is perpetually in a loss. Not that, that's exactly why that's exactly why we never uh, open an office in Bangalore, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> profits uh, don't really align with the city well. We'd love to know the story on the marketing side of process. I mean. Usually, what we see is people who are doing a company for the first time, including me. 
uh, and who don't come in from who are less lucky than the likes of Arvind who, who get to experience for proper marketing or we just don't know what marketing is, right? So I'm curious <laughs> to see and hear to hear from you on the first uh, version of marketing as posture. What was your interpretation of that to what it is now? And how did the org chart evolve? Like what was your first highlight? Who did they report to? And what's the marketing organization function like right now? Mm-hmm. I think it it started, let me, let me just paint like a quick, uh, snapshot between 2012 and 2022 and i'll probably use four different slices like four milestones right okay so in, in 2012 when we started uh, see we are selling software that to saas hosted solution to restaurant industry in india mostly smbs right this is important and i don't know how many uh, listeners i really hope you know that they are able to relate to this until 10 years back, India was still not used to buying software buying. of any kind and type, like leave alone Correct. SaaS, leave alone recurring money, even one-time software sale. I remember in 2012 when we started, most of our competitors then, which were all legacy uh, you know, local companies in different parts of the country, they were actually bundling their software with the hardware. So they had to sell the entire system. In fact, they used to never even talk about the software cost because people were not interested. Right? So we started in that era, uh, if I may say so. And between 2012 and 15, these three years, honestly, we did not even understand how to market because because there's a very thin line between sales and marketing when a startup is, you know, when when you're fresh, right? You you don't really understand which one is what, right? All you want is a lead or you want is a sale. And, And when we started, we realized that there were no channels, right? For every vertical, for every niche, we were only catering to restaurant, you know, people and restaurant owners to make matters worse in our case. And this is going to be important, you know, in, in, in rest of the insights, uh, I, I remember Shashank of Practo. Uh, so we kind of started at a very similar time. Shashank started two years before us. So so we used to hang out a lot. And I and, and I used to envy them because we were doing software for the restaurants. They were doing software for the doctors. They were the B2B of Tar before being the B2C Practo. And I remember that when they used to go to a doctor, they knew where to market. One doctor would recommend another doctor because they studied together in, you know for six years, et cetera. But when I tried to put like use that, uh, I just couldn't because restaurant owner was not a persona. A lawyer could be a restaurant owner, an engineer could be a restaurant owner, a CA could be a restaurant owner. You could be a restaurant owner because you did not study and you are not, uh, you know, qualified or or uh, you know don't have a degree. And I realized that just everybody was a restaurant owner. That was one problem. Second, because just everybody was a restaurant owner, there was no cohesion in the industry. So we used to get zero reference. Third that there was not one thing which was which we were able to zero down for our ICP, if you think about it, right? Because um, let's say somebody who's a realtor and he opens a restaurant, right? He thinks location, location, location. Right? But somebody who came from, let's say, a marketing tech background and they open a restaurant, they think about brand, brand, brand. And mm-hmm. a chef is only thinking food. He doesn't give a you know, flying F2 uh, location or, or, or anything else. So, so we realized that we didn't have a messaging that could relate to, you know, anyone. We didn't have a channel where all these people hang out. They don't even care about writing owner or proprietor or whatever on any channel. And, you know, most of this was not there. So this is how our marketing looked like in those days. We built a website. 
we started doing seo because hope was the strategy the second <laughs> thing that we we realized as soon as we started doing seo was that there were no searches so when there are no searches happening for your keywords um how will you do content marketing why will you do content marketing so we did not have a blog we did not start writing content at all i think third thing what we realized was that now we need to be present wherever the industry folks are so we started hunting trade shows and conferences because that was the closest we could get to our probable icp like just show up be in their face you know and talk to them so this is how our marketing was between 2012 and 15 which was a designer on the team who was also doing our product design and rest of the collateral you know brochure design etc uh, we were just having a website uh, we were doing seo and all the hygiene you know piece so i i generally say that between 2012 and 15 we actually just waited for the searches to go up because <laughs> people were also recognizing pos point of sale restaurant billing software used to be our keyword because you know that was the dumb like we had to really dumb it down and say ki, okay what what people might be imagining another thing that that really was very interesting in those days for us was that restaurant was geographically challenged i mean re- restaurant is a geographically challenged entity right every physical restaurant is like a 3 km or a 4 km radius problem uh, all their good ba- bad anything in their life comes from that so they buy software also like that at least that was true then so you know when when searches started happening i remember there was this uh, you know point where we realized that people are searching restaurant billing software in chandigarh like what the hell does that mean and and why does the software have to be local and then we realized that people still had that hardware servicing component online mm-hmm. software was not a thing that was occurring to them so what we did we actually created this was our first seo or rather a growth hack if you may say so we actually created some 200 city pages on our website and we created a boilerplate where where we had a hero image hero image had to have like a monument or the popular structure of that city faded out like it should be it should be visible to the you know to the mind not to the eyes Uh, a rock garden we'll see or a charminar a hyderabad will be there then we had content written like a paragraph which was again generic with certain you know placeholders for keywords for example um in bangalore's uh, you know uh, copy it will read uh, you know if you want to have uh, a meal at kormangala indranagar hosur hsr like a list of super things, personalized right? super like, personalized hack that right and then below that we had all the logos of that city so we basically put like two interns who i think did it for entire year their job was to you know take four or five such data points out of for each city we created a page called um i think uh, i don't remember now billing software in chandigarh billing software in pune billing software in ahmedabad something like that and we used to rank like number one for literally everything uh that you nice. as soon as you put a restaurant or a software keyword and you put a city to it we will be the only ones who will be ranking rest of the you know results were crap you know of of some mm-hmm. some other random world they were not even relevant so this was this was what it looked like between 2012 and 15 before you before you move on uh to the next phase you know i had heard long time back a phrase that you know when you go 
down the path of entrepreneurship you are eating glass uh you chose to eat five different types of glasses <laughs> like <laughs> consciously not one type of glass you chose to five five different the way that you are describing and you also forgot one important thing uh the cloud or internet connectivity at that point of time also didn't exist oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, correct even yeah, if so... you even if you go to our website today you know what yeah. was our usp our usp was and continues to be that we are a product that works on a browser we don't install anything in your system yeah, but anything. it continues to work <laughs> offline yeah so that's so, one more kind of glass DJ. that you chose to eat strategically now it makes sense but Actually, like... i have stories where somebody bought our product uh, for we used to sell for 12000 rupees per restaurant per year i don't know why uh, but uh, somebody paid us in like one meeting uh, back in 2012 and our sales guy was like you know on the moon he was like this is this is crazy i i closed the deal in like one hour and uh, on the day of deployment uh, you know our team reached there and the guy said where is the hardware and we bola ki you know you are supposed to have the computer system or a post system we'll do the software the guy literally bugged our happiness he said you charged me 12000 rupees for the software and we are like what you thought that we are charging you 12000 rupees for the hardware he said of course software is always free I never bought Tally. I never bought Windows. I never bought Microsoft Office. Who who pays for software? It's only the hardware that I pay for. And we are like, oh man, we are up against the wall. Like this is going to be a long journey. Yeah. <laughs> no, so it, it was true. See, I think even in uh, Zoho, we started selling outside the world, outside India first, US, UK. Never India was a market because in India it's never SaaS. It was SaaS software. They will go. You are in Chennai. Why don't you come down here, Delhi? Come here. Yeah, yeah, that, that's it was common. always hard to sell in India. <laughs> so then, how did the market uh, marketing part of the company evolve after 2015? I think 2015 was was the inflection point. Uh, I think two events happened. One, um, uh, Zomato, Swiggy, uh, Food Panda, all of these Uber Eats. Uber Eats was not there, but Zomato, Swiggy, Food Swiggy was born. there was a company called tiny all so 2015 was the was the year of hyper local deliveries and ordering and yeah, all dunzo coming into picture yeah. everyone creating hyper local and and what we saw as a trend was because we were very good at seo we also saw the trends going up so suddenly our searches went up and we kept on wondering that what's happening are we becoming smarter have we done something great at seo but then we realized no the average searches are skyrocketing like we we could really see that curve and as soon as that happened that's when we also realized that okay probably market is suddenly getting educated uh, you know about it also the average age of the restauranteur changed after 2015 mm-hmm. many young uh, restauranteurs started to come in before 2015 i think average age of a restauranteur in the country was 50 wow and after mm-hmm. 2015 between 2015 and 2020 the average age has fallen to 30 and i think it's still reducing like i see a lot yeah, of cafes absolutely. and all that it's, it's falling actually so, so yeah. all this was happening and and 2015 is when because we picked up this trend that's exactly when i remember january of 15 is when we said ki hey we should actually start writing a blog and we should do content marketing and again content marketing was still not ready i mean the only example i remember in those days which was still the og and the and the relevant example was hubspot uh like i did not have you know an indian 
or a, or a company close closer to me who i could benchmark and say hey you know what these guys have cracked content marketing in the b2b niche vertical space uh, you know let's copy that so we had to you know also design our kind of our own playbook so we uh, started a blog and that's when we started looking for content writers and it took us good 6 months banging our head to the wall because uh, you know we realized and that's i think it's true for india probably other developing nations might be very similar is that anybody who knows english believes that they can write right. and and that actually makes the job of hiring a content writer level on content marketer okay. will into that but content writer hiring a content writer is super difficult in the market not because people are bad because there are so many people who just know english and believe that they can write uh, that that you have to really go through that labyrinth so we we did that but i think one insight that that came out in those 6 months and i think we hired five or six people who we also fired like within 15 days 30 days and finally the one who stuck was uh, you know a girl we hired and she basically she was an engineer uh, and and when i asked her in the interview that why do you want to do content writing she said i want to be a novelist i said oh so it's not english it's she said no 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 i'm a i'm a convent grad but uh, i'm an engineer and uh, uh, i said but novelist is fiction she said i don't know anything about the restaurant industry it's still fiction to me so i said okay that's, that's not bad and, <laughs> and, and 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 then and we started with that right so she basically started our journey what we did is that we when we were writing our blog i was still not very sure that if searches will continue to go up second thing i wasn't sure about was the persona piece that i talked about that who will read this content why will they read it how many people will be reading about branding how many people will read about restaurant industry and third i was very very sure nobody wants to read about cost if we you know blow our own trumpet nobody nobody cares so what we did is because of these three things we said one we don't need to worry about clickbait let's write very very high quality content so that anyway nobody is going to read if ever anybody reads let's make sure that they stick to it to uh we started we didn't know what to speak because we don't know there was no strong restaurant owner persona so we said hey why not we do this we pick out a topic and to write content we always interview minimum three restaurateurs on that topic and also quote them in the content now this is the horse's mouth right restaurant owner talking restaurant owner listening and we only do rest of the you know talking and we also wanted to crack distribution because after writing content you realize one thing that oh like how do you distribute it now like who's reading it where to mm-hmm. you know find that uh, distribution and because our persona was so fuzzy so what we did is okay the minimum thing that will happen is that if varun shur is the restauranteur other restaurant your friends must be on his social media because of keeping an eye on him envy jealous camaraderie whatever right so if we quote varun shur somewhere and if he shares this content because he likes his face uh, everybody is just going to get intrigued and you know click on it so this was our distribution right. and this also became our content strategy this also made sure that our content was absolutely crisp tight primary research because you can't bullshit your way into you know calling the restaurants and uh, we also when we said that we are not talking about possessed at all and we are not going very very technical why do we call it the possessed blog so we call it the restaurant times so if you search mm-hmm. the restaurant times today uh, we are actually 
the rated top five industry resources globally. And uh, uh, today we see like some massive traffic, like we are doing three, three and a half million page views per year, uh, all organic. Uh, but uh, I remember when we, I think we, it took us first three years between 2015 to 18. It took us three years to cross 100,000 uh, page views. And, and I think I declared it a success because I wasn't sure if restaurant owners are going to read so much. Uh, mm-hmm. But, um, but I think just to, just to wrap this content piece, I think another thing that we, we did at, you know, for restaurant times, which actually worked really well. And when I talked to entrepreneurs who talk to me about content marketing, and this is the place where I see the dip in their, you know, enthusiasm is when, you know, they want to know okay, how did it become like three and a half million or how, how can they mm-hmm. overnight, you know, become that. And I basically uh, <clears throat> talk about this piece that, we were so resigned on the fact that nobody's going to like, anybody's going to read it ever that, that I said that I'm not going to look at page views or visitors as the metric. I'm only going to look at two metrics. One average time on site two repeat users. That's all. Mm. And literally for next three and a half years, at least like our next intervention was at like in 2018 mid, but for next three and a half years, we only looked at these two metrics. We did not care for number of visitors, number of views, page views, etc. In fact, we told our content team always that please write extremely dry headlines. It should not ever catch fancy of a commoner. Talk about things which should only be visible to a restaurateur or a chef or a manager or somebody in the restaurant space. Everybody else should feel key, like they should be blinded. They should, they should not even feel like clicking it, you know, because if they click it, my, my analytics will go haywire and I'll keep wondering, uh, who are these people who are coming to the website and, and my, my lead traffic is still not going on. So that, that restaurant times remains like the largest, uh, source and channel of leads, uh, till today. You know, nice. people talk about now creating like a media company inside your SaaS company. This is exactly what you did, right? So you created like a brand which is different from POSIST, which is doing thought leadership. Uh, so it's not just people coming for POSIST content, they're coming for thought leadership content. They see POSIST as the one uh, which is you know, delivering the thought leadership. It's interesting you said media, right? Because this is exactly yeah. how we ran it. And, uh, you know, Restaurant Times is a four-people team. They still run it like a media house. So Restaurant Times team has a different agenda. And we never attribute, and this is extremely important. We never attributed any lead generation, uh, you know, quota to them or any, mm-hmm. any uh, responsibility. We basically, Restaurant Times runs absolutely independently. And whatever happens, happens as a function of the traffic. So what we did is we mm-hmm. did a bosses.com slash Restaurant Times. So, mm-hmm. and Restaurant Times has like some 3,500 articles. None of them talks about bosses. Zero. The only process they see is the restaurant times powered by process. That's all. Mm. There's nothing else. And, and, and the URL. So uh, okay. apart from content, uh, I know process does events really well, you know, being kind of like observe, having observed your company over the years and also learned from Sakshi's uh, sessions at SAS Bumi. I know you do events really well. And that's one area that I would like to talk about. But before we move on, there's another interesting evolution again, coming from being a observer is the evolution on the ICP level for processed from the SMB 
to enterprise. enterprise. Uh, I think there was this was also one of the key inflection points on the marketing side of it, and very strategic, so to speak, as well. I think the audience would love to know more about this because you initially focused very heavily on SMBs. It was an SMB company through and through, uh, and over the recent years has evolved more towards being an enterprise company. Uh, so, would love to more, know more about that as well. So, so yeah, I think I think uh, we uh, it looks like that it did enterprise over last few years because you know uh, you, you see it only when it matures. But but if I paint that picture, I think. Uh, we started as india smb and we went large enterprise global and large enterprise definition is minimum a million dollar arr you know sort of account uh, for us the accounts uh, uh, you know qualification is minimum a 250 million dollar plus revenue company um, you know so this was a non-linear transition. It is as non-linear as, as, as it can be, right? And, and, you know, why most of the entrepreneurs, you know, like me, they start with India and believe that you can, you know, go global. I think because somehow it looks linear. I mean, it is so stupid. Uh, if I had we'll to also talk about that. Yeah, I will, I will <laughs> never do that again, right? Uh, I mean, in fact, I tell a lot of people that, you know, anybody who tells me that eventually I will find my Nirvana in US, I'm like, boss, please either do that today or don't do it at all. Like, don't, don't this up. And then people were like, but you guys did it. I said, just because I survived doesn't mean that I did it right. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but, but I think um, India SMB was like first three years of our existence. And then we started going India mid-market uh, for another two years. So these were like first five years of process existence, very, very India-centric. And then... After India mid-market, as soon as we tried to hit India enterprise, we realized there is no enterprise in India. And uh, and true enterprises were not there. I mean, there were few, there were a handful, like there were 10 and, and that's it. And, uh, and that's exactly when we said, okay, if we have to jump from here and if we go outside of the country, why will we start from SMB? Now we know, now we have the product, now we have the knowledge, right? We would rather go you know, to another country yeah. spend time on the ground, understand, you know, how our product fits. And if we find a PMF, then we'll actually start at least from mid-market and go towards enterprise. So this was the second leg of our journey where we started mid-market international. And first international was Singapore and Dubai. Uh, and, and, and then Singapore, of course, did not work out. So technically it was only Dubai. And, uh, and then, you know, it took another couple of years for us to graduate and go towards a large enterprise account outside of India. So in last few years, in last two years, actually, in pandemic time, we have just consolidated all our effort towards large enterprise. So now it has emerged out as if it is a full, full enterprise. And now we only do enterprise. We have basically, you know, let go of all, all so, other ICPs. Was, was it accidental like, or intentional, this entire pivot? Absolutely intentional, man. Like as intentional as it can be. In fact, uh, you know, on an unrelated, but, but I'm sure, you know, it drives a lot of curiosity is... Honestly, this is the number one reason we did not raise VC capital. Because at least four times in our journey, we had a term sheet. Thankfully, we got that without, you know, kind of going out on the market and pitching. Some VC somewhere met us, loved us, said, okay. But each time, actually, that VC, for all good reasons of their own, they wanted us to focus on the PMF we had at that moment. And while we agreed with them in principle that, okay, this is working, let's scale it 
you know, 100x. Uh, we also, you know, were intentional about like upping the game because, you know, for us, we, for us, we could clearly see that, hey, you know what? We have cracked India mid-market heavily. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. And like, no, but we actually can take this to enterprise global. And, and they were like, um, you know, enterprise global, no, let's in next five years do this. And we, each time we said no to that, uh, not because of, not out of arrogance, but the intention that we wanted to be like one of the top companies in the world in the restaurant tech. And that is what, that is what we are, we are trying. So it was as intentional as it can be. And each time we had to let go of a PMF market, you have to understand that, uh, you know, SMBs is great cash flow, by the way, right? They, they suck the blood out of you somewhere else, but it's great cash flow, right? It, it, it's super secure. You can lose $1 million client to lose $1 million in SMB revenue. I need to lose like a thousand clients, uh, yeah. which will never happen, right? So, so it, it, it comes with its own, you know, dynamics, but I think, I think we had to let go at each step and it couldn't happen without, without strong intention. Actually, I think I know this uh, story, but I really wanted to bring this out in this uh, podcast, right? So you initially test upon uh, the ICP being a biggest challenge for you, like everybody, your target audience persona, like anybody can be a restaurateur and the ICP and targeting that niche. I know this one particular campaign which you did in doing account-based marketing and uh, uh, where I think creativity was the key, key winner. I would want the audience here to also know that story and like I was super impressed when I heard about it. So I? For it. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think these are, this is uh, when I, when I hear account-based marketing today, of course, you know, we do that uh, as account-based marketing now for enterprises, but this was the SMB time. And I think uh, this was, uh, this is how crazy, you know, one needs to go at times. Um, so here's, you know, I told you that ICP problem, persona problem, et cetera, right? Reaching out to restaurant owners was like the biggest trouble. Selling was not that big of a trouble. And we could, we clearly figured that we had a great PMF with restaurant owners. And I'm still talking about SMBs, like single standalone restaurants, th- three or four restaurant, you know, type of sort of people. Um, we figured that every time we talk to the owner, we like have a fit, sale happens. But talking to the owner, reaching out was a, was a big challenge. We, we also figured another thing, which was uh, theft. So our product primarily, what it did it is that apart from billing software or inventory control or the utility, we did anti-theft. And this is a term that we coined because restaurant theft is a big problem. Everybody sees those play cards at the restaurant, which says, if you don't get the bill, your order is free. If you don't get the bill, please call on this number, right? Imagine the gravity of that statement. A business has just declared right at the counter that my employee my teammate is not reliable can you be vigilant on my behalf as a customer right if i was a if i was an employee at pvr i would not want to stand behind such a placard but imagine a brand has to do that because theft in the restaurants was normalized like it was it was a thing that everybody knew right and uh, and we built this product which was not predicting theft but it was basically catching theft it was it was flagging that, oh, you know, Ashish has just canceled a kitchen order ticket or he has canceled, you know, two beers. Uh, this might be a theft. Uh, he might not have really, you know, canceled it or something like that. Now, when we went out selling this product, our problem was that our team said, Ki, you know, whenever we go, we are showing the demo to the owner and the manager and even the cashier is in the meeting because owner wants them to see it. We don't know how to broach the subject. 
because we are technically talking about this manager and cashier being the thieves. And uh, how do we broach the subject? Second problem, which was actually even more grave, was that consistently people said that whenever we broach this subject with the owners separately, owners are offended in a very, in a very interesting way. It's like if they agree that theft is happening at the restaurant, it also makes them look bad as business owners. Right. So, so they agree, but in a way, ki, oh, no, 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 it doesn't happen at my place. Like it happens. But. So, so after our conversations, I figured that, okay, you know, restaurant theft is like sex. It's happening everywhere in the world, but nobody is going to agree that it's happening at my home. <laughs> at our place, we don't do that. <laughs> at our place, we all, you know, so, so we wrote a comic book. It was actually not a comic book. So one day we wrote a blog. We were talking about that. What are the genius ways in which restaurant staff commits theft? And our, and you know, our, our content team, they started talking to our, you know, technical support team and implementation team to get the stories from the trenches. And we basically talked about like some genius ways in which staff commits theft, which restaurant owners can't catch even if they see it. Like you can't question it. Uh, we talked to a couple of restaurant owners about it. Their minds were blown and they were like, I didn't know this. And, and these were seasoned restaurants. So that got us thinking that if, if this guy doesn't know this, which we thought he should, uh, probably this knowledge needs to be out there. So we wrote a blog and, and the blog turned out to be, we basically talked about 10 ways and 10 pages, right? So these 10 pages were like, a you know, what, 2,500, 3,000 word content. And we were like, Restaurant owners are never going to read this. Uh, it's not happening. So I said, okay, let's, why not we uh, create a pictorial representation of that uh, so that nobody needs to read like a thousand word per, per article. So we took like two months. We did, we like, we went crazy. We went to drawing board. We did character development and all of that. And we wrote a comic book. Comic book turned out to be very, very well. And I felt that, you know, online, if you distribute it, we still don't have the direct email ID to send it to. So it is going to get lost in oblivion. Um, what is the best way to make sure that restaurant owner reads it? So we got a comic book physically printed, very high quality printing. And why high quality? Because we wanted to make sure that whoever gets it, takes it very seriously. Like they should feel, you know, that this is a solid book. So we did that. Now, like, you know, when you start content marketing, you feel that writing content is the biggest problem. Only after writing content, you realize distribution is a bigger problem. The bigger so problem. <laughs> after making this book, we were like, dude, like, how do we distribute this now? Well, one of the obvious sort of channel was that, okay, our sales team should carry it in every demo. But then we started wondering that how do we, um, you know, target restaurant owners who are like, how, how do we use it as a marketing lead gen? And here comes, you know, you know what we did. So we basically figured that we don't know restaurant owner's name. We only know their restaurant's name. And if we actually send this book physically to a restaurant, managers and cashiers will never let the owners get their hands on it. Right? So, so what we did is that uh, a lot of psychological you know, warfare. So we scraped data from Zomato, all the restaurant names. That, that's exactly what was available. And cost for two was also available. Right? So it's an anti-theft product it will only appeal to people who are making a certain level of money. So cost for two, 1500 and above, we scraped data of all the dining restaurants. We placed, again, we, we pulled, pulled two people from a random call center. We just told them that, hey, 
you need to call all these restaurants on their public line and uh, ask them owner ka naam bataiye uh, so so when you ask owner's name funnily a restaurant staff will never is never going to share their number but they will tell the name no they will say yeah arvind pardivan is the is, is the owner so write down the name then tell them that uh, there is a parcel for sir uh, please give his mobile number if they give it's okay if they don't don't worry reconfirm the address that is written on zomato because we want to make sure that it's not the wrong address they did that we did it for 1000 restaurants wow. in like next 30 days uh owner's name restaurants address confirmed in very very few cases we got the number but it was it was not valuable for us now comes the part how to send it so we basically um you know created a covering letter now zomato has all this data right ki what is the cuisine what are the top things what are the best item uh, cost for two uh, area you know etc so we wrote a covering letter like this with with placeholders which said uh, hey varun what you have done with punjabi rasoi is is brilliant in gurgaon sector 29 uh, very few people have cracked north indian mughlai cuisine the way you have done we know that your butter chicken and dal makhani is doing great at a cost for two for 1500 bucks you are killing it basically created this this letter and bubble wrapped the book we bought envelopes which are used by the government you know jali wala andar jisme yeah, yeah. like brown color envelopes like scary looking large envelopes did you also send them using india post dude yeah yes it gets better <laughs> so we, we basically got these envelopes uh, non printed and uh, we put this in we create we got this uh, wax seal made we put that wax seal oh, wow it. we had a bad handwriting handwritten name and address you know on each envelope we created oh. a stamp in red color called confidential confidential at three places it at the top it said notice and it was sent with registered post and this campaign uh, uh, was uh, was such where staff used to take it like this and used to just go to the restaurant owner saying dude this is yours i'm not they're not going to open it we have we have we have uh, examples where one restaurant owner in delhi once met me in a party and somebody like randomly introduced it was not a restaurant party it was like like some friends party and this guy appeared and and somebody introduced me saying oh ashish runs forest and this guy runs you know this restaurant called prankster you you know prankster right and yeah. so is that this guy runs prank prankster and that guy looked at me like so 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 the guy said no no you must know ashish usne bola no you wait he said dude you guys send a book right i said <laughs> i said yes what happened he said you guys my euro trip i said what do you mean he said i was on a euro trip for the last 12 days the day i landed this appeared at my restaurant my manager sent me a picture on whatsapp saying sir there is some notice that has come he said i was i don't know what what i have it i can't I, get can't get the manager to open it correct and he said i told the manager don't open it because it had a wax seal so he said i came back i you know did that uh, you know heated the knife so that <laughs> i opened it so that if it is a notice i can you know uh, put it uh, back yeah put, put it back and send it and send it back to the you know registered post office that okay nahi mila idhar koi right something like that so it it went to that level but i'll tell you the success of this 
we were showered with leads we made a direct revenue from this campaign uh, of 2 uh, and 1/2 crore in next 4 uh, months and after that we stopped counting um you know the campaign is still today on we don't now send it this way we we carry it uh, you know we created a call to action by the way on that book it's a very witty book you know i'll share it someday with you uh, but we created a call to action on that we we took a you know number from exotel like a you know missed call number and we said these are the 10 ways in which restaurant staff commits theft it was not a positive advertisement of course right <laughs> so we said we also have a book of solutions <laughs> give a miss call on this number to get it <laughs> wow wow right. and we never had a book of solutions by the way solution was possible so. <laughs> <laughs> this has to be one of the most incredible marketing stories that i've come across we, we called Kudos. it Kudos. we called Kudos it uh, we called that book the thug tales of restaurant food it's a it's a gang yeah. super uh, you know inspired name Uh, our conference room in delhi in in our office has a gangs of wasipur poster so when we were naming this you know so that that was tactics wow no exactly what i the reason why i brought this up to, to this in this podcast is rightly most of the times when i work with content marketers they are worried about number of content how many blogs to be written in a week mm-hmm. right like the wrong metrics yeah right yeah. so the, the the entire purpose of content marketing is to uh, bring that kind of uh, what pain point and they should be it should be relatable and going going extra mile and bringing creativity i think these are the things i wanted to like probably also, ask I mean, ashish right i think i think also one thing absolutely agree and, and one more thing that i can add to it is in general i think my understanding of marketing or even for the matter advertising also is that nobody in this world wants to talk about you mm. your brand your company why are, why are you there to change yeah. why are you trying to change the world yeah. right everybody yeah. is is willing to talk about themselves yeah people want to listen about them they want to talk yeah. about themselves right so best advertisements in the world actually talk about their users not pain their life correct right so one correct. is that it's it's a pain driven thing mai pehle bahut pareshan rehta tha fir mere sath ye hua aur ab mai khush hu right but other thing is that when you are talking about when you are showing and depicting their life in general they actually relate right thugtails was not even giving a solution right. that's exactly what i'm saying it was just talking right. about their pain and they related super hard right they had no other choice i mean i'm just imagining myself and as a restaurant owner i would never forget that thing like as a brand i would know possessed forever like it's just so good correct there are these few pieces of content i mean i mean you can have a witty billboard which people might recall but this is on next level because it's triggering all kinds of emotions when i'm going through that i'll never forget those emotions when i'm when i have that envelope in my hands when the registered post guy comes over tries to get my sign and you know in india business owners fear all of these india post like when if if a migate notification comes in that it's india post i'm like okay what what's in it now it's, it's also really about going that extra mile right that that if you right. if you are not trust me you know this entire process of uh you know putting that wax seal and doing this it itself was taxing i can like imagine like finding taxing. a supplier and all that phenomenal incredible story ashish on this one 
uh, I think I'm going to tell people about this a lot. So not only is Thaktail's like popular on the restaurant, I think it's even as a marketing story, it's so good. I'm, I, I really want to get... We heard the story when we are uh, five rounds down and imagine how we, were, we, we have been laughing about I can, it. I can imagine. Ashish <laughs> and the stories, they go a long way. Uh, so uh, I really want to get the events piece uh, out because there was this event which happened in Pragati Medan. I'm, I've forgotten the name. I know it was later restaurant Ahar, industry. Ahar. Ahar, Ahar, yes. <laughs> Uh, among that, I saw photographs, I, I think, on your Instagram of like the process push, which was world class uh, over there. And I think while that event was ongoing, you were traveling in US. Uh, so, And this was one of the more critical events uh, for the restaurant industry over here. And it was executed brilliantly. So that really made me like, you know, usually even at like five, six million ARR, you would expect like the business owner we keep out of the events, but you have just got the playbook so right that the team's so much more capable on executing this and showed. So I'm really curious on uh, what is the secret sauce? I mean, yes, you can say, you know, you have the right people and all, but I'm really curious on how, how does that work? Like, let's say AHAR is coming up. How do you go about planning for AHAR? Yeah, I think difficult, uh, difficult one because there's no silver bullet there. I think it's uh, uh, the honest reply is that I think it's the process has been super organic. Let me put it that way, and 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 the organic nature of that process, you know, has made us, you know, absolutely pros at doing events. But I think um, if I if I go back a little, and I would rather, you know address the, you asked that question before, you know, Arvind interjected with that tactile story, but then uh, the why of the events actually uh, is, is what drives our entire event playbook. And you will also find some, you know, uh, insights on why you saw what you saw, like how it felt, you know, great, superbly executed, etc. I think one thing is that events, physical events, I don't know why are not popular amongst uh, you know, especially tech startups. Like I, 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 I fail to understand that. Uh, I see this one problem that TechCrunch doesn't write about that. Uh, Paul Graham doesn't write about that. Probably that's the reason. The day Paul Graham or TechCrunch will say, "Oh, events are, you know, is, is the game." Suddenly, everybody will go towards that. But I think for us, the way we look at event is that events basically are a place where not only you are physically visible in front of the customer, the kind of trust that can happen. See, for me, especially in B2B, selling is all about trust. Even in B2C, I mean, why celebrities, why a Shahrukh Khan is actually selling a Centro, right? Everybody knows that Shahrukh Khan doesn't drive a Centro uh, and is not using a Centro, right? But but when, when a brand hires Shahrukh Khan in B2C context, right? That's credibility, right? A, a, a regular uh, buyer believes that if somebody has hired Shahrukh Khan and spent you know, 100 crores on advertising must be a good product, right? So that's some one signal. Events is exactly that signal into your brand. So so when we look at events, we don't look at it as a lead gen problem. We hmm. attribute 50% of our event cost straight to branding. That hmm. allows us a lot of room. That allows us to spend a little, not worry about conversion, 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 uh, not worry about your shit. We didn't get the right leads or we didn't get enough leads. It's not the volume. It's basically the quality. And that also allows us to look at our booth, our branding, and, and what kind of opportunities we create in the event as a long tail branding problem 
and not really a uh, not really a lead gen problem and that is that is something which is hmm. very important we perfected that over years and i i can actually use perfect because now as a company we breed that like that that occurs very very naturally to everyone in our team uh second thing is that that event is also a place where you can actually become anything and that's my favorite part of you know events in general right uh see when you are participating in an event and let's say oracle is your co-participant who's also your competitor is oracle going to bring their office building to the event no in event everybody has to put a booth you can be a 100 billion dollar company or a 10 million dollar company both have to put a booth and booth size projects who you are you don't need to say anything so for example if i put a booth which is as large as oracle it may cost me a bomb but that bomb is not going to be proportionate to the projection i'm making hmm right if i put a booth for let's say $20000 in us versus you know $100000 $100,000 is actually probably the topmost range in which a 100 billion dollar company is participating yeah, and $20,000 is the price of the booth in which a million dollar company is participating right so in $80,000 i can oscillate you know in any direction now your booth has to also look or your your event has to look the part that you are trying to play if you are trying to you know get a million dollar deal you can't look like $2,000 you have to look like 10 million and then somebody will you know actually come to you uh sale is not going to happen from there right third thing is that understanding this basic thing about events that that events is really about repeat visibility right so when we do an event let's say let's say we go to a new country and we look at a trade show we immediately sign up for 3 years and by that what i i don't right. mean we pay them for 3 years but mentally we are signing up for 3 years right because we know that in year 1 nothing is going to happen my fondest hope is that you grow old in that market and you create familiarity with co-participants with people who are walking that aisle there there are these regular people right people who go to saster every year in the sas space yeah they'll be the same people right because they are enthusiastic right. they are progressive they want to know what's happening similarly in every industry so when when you go to a restaurant show so today we actually find recently you know what happened in us i was in uh, dallas and uh, a guy walked up to me uh, and uh, it was a conference uh, uh, you know i was speaking there and we were also one of the sponsors there was not even a booth this guy walks up to me and he says hey i'm from israel heavy israeli accent i said okay uh, he said you know we know you guys very very well this was by the way dominos israel and uh, mm-hmm. i said wow like how do you know us he said oh i've uh, i've seen you over last four years at different shows in four different countries and i was like oh man right now this is intangible that you actually have to look for correct because this is trust this is credibility i i'll tell you my yeah. india experience you know first 3 years and this was a wisdom actually honestly we learned in in india in first 3 years 2012 we participated in a lot of shows in india in 2013 we did few of them like the main ones because money was you know still we were trying to optimize that i remember in 2014 the show varun that you mentioned ahar in pragati madan this is the largest show you know in india a guy walks up to us and um, and he was a restaurant owner like in some 
tier two, but a big one in tier two, like a like a famous legend. And uh, and this guy said, hey, uh, you know what? And he kept on looking at our stall like this, and he said, you guys have grown really well. And this is 2014. And I was like, uh, he said, uh, we are going to buy your product. Um, you know, we are here to talk about that today. I said, why did you say that we have grown so well? He said, I saw you in 2012. Then I saw you in 2013. Now this is 2014. Now I think we should look at you. It was a shocker because I was like, the size of the booth. No, it was basically, yeah. So size of the booth probably was an indicator year on year that we are growing, right? The guy had no idea what's happening, you know, behind (laughs) the scenes, right? So this was one learning. Second was that I could clearly see that this guy was an OG. He's walking this show for 15 years. He sees so many fly-by-night operators. He sees so many people who don't appear next year. That for him to really put your put his trust on you, you have to grow old in the industry. And if he sees you year on year, and he also sees some sort of incremental progress, that hits. And that did, that happened, right? Our, our shows, conversions year on year, you know, kept on going up. So I think events, if... So, I mean, one is that you have to create longevity in the event. You need to make sure that you look the part if you're not investing. Like when Indian companies, especially, and I'm using the word Indian companies because it really pisses me off outside of the country, in every show, whenever I see Indian booths, Indian company booths, you can really recognize it because somewhere we don't have a great relationship with spending on uh, you know, design, quality, yep. you know, all of that, yeah. especially in marketing, right? We'll, we'll put whatever we want in the product. We'll put all the heart and soul in sending the people and the sales and massaging the client and account management and whatnot. Correct. We will not, let's say, invest in a great suit. You know, our, our people will not be like the best dressed in the, and, you know, absolutely groomed, right? So those kind of things are extremely important because you are lit, when you are standing at an event at a booth, uh, that's you are the website. You are the website. Like that's a comparison, right? It's a physical manifestation of your website. It's like a so store. It yeah. It is. Exactly. I, I tell you, it is even more grave. It is a physical manifestation of your office. Office. Of, of no, your work culture. I, I, of I your company's brand. You, I can forgive you on your website. I will never yeah. forgive you on your office. <laughs> yeah, office. No, I think it's a mindset. See, I think. Uh, People are okay to spend uh, $100 or $200 or even $500 for a click. But the moment you say events, right? Correct. It, it's looked as if it is not. It's it's actually a cheaper way of lead gen. So we need to have that. Uh, and why are you okay for spending so much on Google and why not for events? Like the complete strategy has been changed. Correct. Today, Correct. Uh, physical events is much more cheaper and efficient than spending in Google Ads. Yeah, that's that. because digital spends, I mean, that, that's because gone through the roof. online bidding or war has gone through. The, no, I think, Arun, and that's why I said key, that 50% attribution to branding uh, yeah. goes a very, very long way. That's very yeah. profound. Yeah, and second is that, you know, when we do an event for first year in a country or a place where we have not been there, we actually hold the lead data in our system for next three years. Correct. The attribution of lead is over next three years. And after the end of three years, I will actually tell you what's the right CAC because you have to also understand the nature of event. Nature of event is actually literally like uh, what you get from a Google paid ad versus uh, Facebook ad. Facebook ad is like an event. People are scrolling through life randomly. You appear, they're like, okay, this is interesting. They click. 
they send the lead zero buying yeah. intent right while yeah. google is a search intent the guy searched for you you appeared sent you a lead very high probability in events people are like those you know bollywood movies ki wo banda pahad mein gaya hai aur wo promise karke aaya ladki se ki main shaadi karunga aur fir wapas aake shehar mein chala gaya aur wapas nahi aaya right it's, it's exactly like exactly like that right in events people will come sit with you stand with you promise you know curse yeah. their existing vendor existing tech this and that and the guy disappears and people are like what happened we had such a great bonding yeah in that zone he felt that he went back to his life and got like overwhelmed with all the challenges that he has on a day to day basis so you need to keep reinforcing this idea and then only probably something will happen i think correct i think the split between the brand marketing and the legion like that attribution for me is a very profound learning because we always struggle during the days like is this a brand initiative is it a legion we eventually started off with brand tilted to legion and we could never do justice because you don't get the conversion at that moment right and i think it's then calculating that over 3 years i think that's where it really starts to add up another yeah. another point i would like to add to is, is i mean i focused a lot on the trade shows and expos the second category of the events that we do we do two category of events one is trade shows and expos and the second is conferences in conferences our playbook is a little different in conferences we will always take like a you know partner sponsor sort of badge we will not even take the booth in fact we let go of the booth we tell them that we don't need a booth because conference is a place where people are coming to listen to the speakers and to network booth is a side activity like there will be 10 20 booths on the side and booth is really about selling and in conferences what we have seen at least what has worked for us is that sales don't happen there introductions happen and networking happens but how do you leverage that branding with networking so how we and i'm just bearing the secret uh, at least our playbook internally is that when we look at a conference we look at the speaker lineup speaker lineup has to have our target audience cios ceos ceos of the brands that we want to have let's say if a conference has 50 speakers our team is going to zero down circle down each of this 50 we will sponsor this we will ask them to put our name somewhere like in a very technology partner or or like some prominent location we will tell them that we don't need to do it if i'm speaking there i'm not going to speak about possist every conference as a sponsor will tell you that you can make a 15 minute presentation on possist we never do that we make sure that it's a 15 minute presentation on an industry topic talking about their life and not mentioning possist at all i generally don't do powerpoints i speak so while i'm speaking at the background there's a possist logo that's all for 15 minutes people keep looking at possist and keep listening to me and i'm talking about them i'm not even talking about technology by the way i have delivered sessions which did not even touch upon technology level on possist right i was just talking about them and our target our our team's target is actually to talk to these 50 speakers because now you are a sponsor in the conference your ceo is speaking uh you have a right to go congratulate them on their panel introduce your company by saying ki like pointing towards the stage uh, we are possessed uh and the uh, rest of it flows from there because 
because the speaker suddenly you know is a little more receptive to it they also there are times when people will say ki oh do you have a booth here and like no 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 this is not like we are not selling here uh, we would love to you know uh, have a demo with you later on yeah. and, and the speaker has hit 10 on 10 for us over the years and there's another important point yes. the speakers are usually key decision makers absolutely your exactly. audience might not be Correct. filled with decision makers but the speakers are usually key so decision we have, makers we have we have actually taken out business from supposedly flop conferences in india especially mm. conference was called a flop because audience did not happen conference had mm-hmm. 700 people will come 300 people came uh, people were beating mm-hmm. them black and blue because people had booths mm-hmm. you were only interested in 50 speakers they came <laughs> you killed it we didn't care what the audience is so whatever happens from audience for us in a conference is literally bonus like we don't even care uh, whatever networking we are going to do on the on the floor it's all serendipity and 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 bonus i think i think we have a lot of useful nuggets uh, over here uh, arvin uh, are you excited about the rapid fire round okay first i'll go easy right which is your favorite restaurant amongst your customers okay <laughs> in india fire. india bombay brasserie in dubai crescent um they got a michelin star just now okay all right so and what is your pet peeve when it comes to food i know you are a foodie <laughs> yeah i mean what do you mean by pet peeve when it comes to food like what do you not like about food like restaurant food like restaurant food food scene food, food culture scene scene anything yeah quick quick rapid fire yeah what do you hate about like maybe a recent trend Yeah, um, in, in, I I I hate uh, you know fusion for the sake of it. Like you know people putting in uh, pasta in a taco and you know putting something else on top of it, giving it a quirky name. I'm like yeah. like why why quirk for for no reason? Right? Just call it a taco. No, I mean I I, I get it. Okay. Don't don't call it something else. What do you? I I have a rapid fire question. What are your thoughts <laughs> on the introduction of mozzarella cheese on the Indian street food scene? Oh man <laughs> I don't think I I think I'm I'm more worried about the mayonnaise uh, <laughs> on on Indian street food that's absolutely crappy that's 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 vegetable oil and that's I I don't even know what what people are doing the composition of it yeah <laughs> okay so I think food tech everybody are running away from food tech uh, industry and like if someone were to start uh a startup in the uh food tech space what would be your one advice uh don't <laughs> <laughs> okay or okay what is the trend you foresee in this space no i think i think food tech is a is a misnomer but if you are if you are talking about you know doing anything around around restaurants or or food in general i believe that cloud kitchen and restaurant and this hybrid piece as a trend we are not even scratching the surface of it one nugget i can give you is which blew my mind as well burger king last year did 4 billion dollars worth of sales in the us out of which 2.4 billion was drive through so burger king sold 2.4 billion dollar worth of product through drive through only in the us when we don't even have drive through here and so many countries don't have drive throughs right so so when i look at yeah. some of these trends i think we are just scratching the surface i think anybody who is starting up either in the restaurant or cloud kitchen or even in technology 
I think I think it's 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 going to accelerate uh, in 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 bigger way. Okay. Uh, one la- last question as a TMC founder and DPC member. <laughs> What's the biggest or like the largest bill you have paid in a party? Oh, seven and a half lakh. Oh my god. Was that your wedding? Let me not wait. But this okay. is the, the this is the episode that that will make audience hungry for sure. Uh <laughs> shameless plug on liking and subscribing. Uh please do like and subscribe uh to Sasbu BTS. We work really hard to bring out the background stories, amazing tuck tales uh from the Indian SaaS founders. Um uh, stories that make the companies or break the companies so to speak uh with on a very honest platform ashish this has been very very helpful uh thank you so much for taking the time out uh, to share and being very frank and honest i know i'll be taking a lot of snippets from this one and sharing them i have uh, more stories to tell uh thank you thank you so much for you know thank you guys very good all absolutely enjoyed it and uh, for the audience Thank by the so way uh, in case it's relevant uh, if anybody wants a copy of tucktales uh, just uh, you know maybe uh, tag me on twitter and uh, i'll i'll send it to you awesome ashish awesome. thank you so much hope you enjoyed the episode we're building not just a product nation but also a marketing nation stay tuned for more stories please share your feedback or suggestions at hello@sasbumi.com at